Tree Talking Time is brought to you by Conkeys Outdoors. Get all your hound hunting needs at Conkeys.com. Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Well, uh, let me tell you about an interesting um, uh, visit that I had uh, probably 20 years ago with a guy named Joe Caldwell, who was a professional, uh, he was a a, a nuisance animal uh, exterminator uh, in, uh, in Arizona. And my wife and I were, uh, we both, both of us were teachers and during our spring break, and instead of going to Florida, we went to, went to, uh, uh, Arizona just for somewhere different, went to the Red Rocks and, and, uh, uh, I, I knew that this Joe Coldwell had been, uh, in and out of our association mm-hmm. and we were going to be close to where he was and just kind of on a whim when we got out to where we were going around Prescott, Prescott Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called and, and was lucky enough to get to talk to him and visited with him on the phone. And, uh, uh, he invited us to, uh, come to where he, he lived and, and visit, which was, uh, it was a, a neat ride from where we were staying to, mm-hmm. through the mountains, uh, to his place and see, saw his house and, and he, he had a lot of different stories to tell oh, about, sure. about, uh, about his life as a, uh, professional hunter mm-hmm. and, uh, that some of the ranchers and different people that he had, he had dealt with and the dogs that he used. And he had been a member of the Brindle, Tring Tennessee Brindle Breeders Association for off and on for several years. And, and, uh, uh, when, when we got there, he, he didn't have any cream Tennessee brindles, but he had hunted with them. Yeah. He had had some that I think at one time probably had come from Dr. Larry Soa okay. out in Oregon. Yeah. And Dr. Dr. Soa, I think probably provided a lot of dogs to people in the Southwest and to Texas, uh, who used them for, uh, in Texas, they, they for hog hunting, and uh, uh, and for Joe Caldwell, there is is his uh, uh, job as a uh, uh, kind of a exterminator of, of uh, uh, mountain lions uh, yeah. uh, there in the Southwest desert area uh, on on the ranches. He was he was a very interesting guy to talk to. And like I said, we had a, a great visit with the, with Mr. Caldwell, and he told us about his uh, his education on how he uh, got into what the, the job that he wanted or job that he had. Yeah, uh, and it was just a very interesting uh, visit with him. Like I said, he was familiar with the Brindle dogs at that time that we were there at his place. He was kind of it was kind of a downtime for him. He wasn't doing uh, doing any hunting at that time. Okay. And I, what he was doing, 
but he, he had some dogs, but they weren't uh, the trained Tennessee Brennels. But like I said, he was he was very familiar with them. Uh, he probably had some contact as, and I don't recall with with Doctor Soa up yeah. in Oregon uh, to get some dogs down that way. I have a mutual friend of Dr. Soa's and I've been on him to, he needs to get, he does a podcast and I've been like, you need to go talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that would be, that would be good. He's Larry, Dr. Larry is a, be a very interesting person to talk to about all his different connections mm-hmm. and, uh, a, a lot of different things that, uh, that he's encountered in, in his, uh, in his, uh, life with uh, uh, as a veterinarian yeah. and as a politician, uh, and how it and how politics and and veterinary medicine and wildlife yeah. uh, go hand in hand, but sometimes they conflict. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, oh, yeah. he saw uh, he saw all the sides of it, and he's a he's a, a very very knowledgeable person on on uh, these dogs. Mm. Uh, how and what? How he happened to get in into him uh, way before I did? I, I'm not sure. I know. I know he he's told it uh, told me before just how he happened to get involved with the Brindle dogs, but I, I can't re- really recall how he said. Well, we're gonna have to just put a little call to action out here to my listeners because my yeah. listeners, I'm sure, are aware of our mutual friend who is Buddy Woodbury, the owner and one of the sponsors of this podcast, W Hunting Supply. Oh, okay. And yeah. I've been on Buddy to go because he's mentioned him multiple times, and, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know what kind of cur dogs he had until I did a little digging. But uh, yeah, because he just meant, oh yeah, he's got some cur dogs. Well, uh, and, and I, I know Doctor Soa had. Uh, he was very big in the in the training Tennessee Brindles. Uh, he also had some had some leopard dogs, okay, uh, as well. And uh, he was primarily a, a cat and bear hunter. Yeah. And uh, but this this strange thing, in in a way, was a lot of his dogs uh, a few years back uh, came from from Indiana and. Uh, and from Ron McLean in Pennsylvania, uh, okay. they went out. They uh, that uh, he heard. he was just here and and mm-hmm. had uh, had shipped uh, flown out there to uh, uh, to Oregon yeah. to use in his uh, uh, his gene pool. Uh, I, I remember he uh, he flew out here, landed in Chicago, rent, rented a car, uh, drove from. From up in Chicago down to Logansport, where we had our Brendel hunt, uh, got with uh, a guy that he made friends with, a guy named Frank Burton. And he and Frank, over the weekend, drove out to Ron McLean's, picked up some pups, drove back from, uh, drove out to Pennsylvania, drove back to Indiana. Then he went to Chicago, loaded the pups up, and flew them out. I mean, just, you know, coast to coast practically deal to yeah. get some pups that he wanted some of the blood that he wanted from from ron mclean mm-hmm. uh and so he, he also got would do the same thing when he was when he'd fly to indiana he a lot of times he'd uh, uh get a pup or two and and uh, uh get it uh, get him on a plane and, and fly him out yep. uh, back out to oregon mm-hmm. um but he was he buried 
very devoted to this breed. Um, I know he and his brother-in-law uh, one summer drove out from Oregon, he drove out and visited with, with us just for a short time. Uh, he had some, uh, there were some pups on the ground out here that with the blood that he wanted and uh, got three or four of them and headed back to Oregon. That's awesome. Uh, you know, drive two thirds of the way across <laughs> the country to pick up pups. Yeah. That tells you a little bit about his uh, devotion to the breed. Yeah. So for all of you listeners that would like to hear an interview with Doc Soa, you need to call Buddy and you need to ask for it because Buddy can then just go do it in person and it'll be better than on a phone. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, just a, a world of knowledge of, on, uh, on, uh, uh, the train Tennessee Brindle dogs and, and uh, how they ended up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty interesting. Well, for everyone listening, uh, we're going to talk about train Tennessee Brindles once again tonight. And I have Don on the phone. Don, why don't you tell me about yourself? Well, I've been involved with the uh, train Tennessee Brindles. I, I got involved in about 1976, 77. And, uh, uh, had had various bloodlines of the uh, Brindle dogs uh, and all the way through till till right now. Okay, uh, they're a they're a uh, just a, a nice size dog, a very versatile hunting dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones when I started out, they, they there weren't a lot of people squirrel hunting uh, with them, uh, but they made good squirrel dogs. Yeah, uh, just not a lot of people uh, hunted them on squirrels uh, because everybody was more into coon hunting. Oh, as sure things, then, yeah. As, yeah, as things uh, uh, came around uh, and people saw how versatile they were, um, there were a lot of people switched over and, and, and hunted them on on squirrels. Most of my dogs could, you know, if, if you took them in the daytime. Uh, they were squirrel dogs. If you took them at night, they were coon dogs. Mm-hmm. And, and I never, never complained if they treat a coon in the daytime. Yeah. Um, and uh, if they treated slick tree at night, uh, that was probably a squirrel. Yeah. At least I'd tell people that. <laughs> there you go. So what did you have before the, the brindles? I started out with a, uh, uh, a neighbor guy had, an old black dog. It's just kind of a great dog. And, and he, he knew I, I had beagles and he said, Hey, if you ever want to take, take old smoke and go coon out and you do that. And I said, well, let, let me, let me get somebody to go with me. Uh, cause I didn't know much about it. Yeah. And I, I taught, was teaching school and I, I had, in driver education, I had this kid that talked about coon hunting a lot. So I got with him, and he and I hooked up together. And so I was hunting, hunting a, uh, a black dog with me, and that, that young guy had a black and tan. So I hunted yeah. with black and tan for just a short while and did a lot a lot of reading in, in full cry. Yeah. Uh, uh, reading from cover to cover uh, back in the day. and. I was reading uh, uh, the Train Tennessee Brindle articles. At that time, they were written by uh, Al Mazza. Okay. And Al, Al Mazza was a, was a, a, 
I thought he was a real good writer. And he, some of the things, he, you know, he, he talked about the dogs, but he talked a lot about the people that were in the association and, and the various friendships that he had made mm-hmm. kind of as, as an outsider moving and when he got into it. And um, uh, I enjoyed reading his stuff. And uh, I, I contacted, I think, uh, Reverend Phillips, who was kind of the founder of the breed. Uh, and he, he told me to get a hold of a guy uh, that lived fairly close to me. And I knew they knew who the guy was and I knew he had, had a brindle colored dog, but I didn't really know too much about the, the dog. So I, I got a hold of the guy and got a yearbook and the guy told me, well, he, he said, he's not a registered dog, but he said, and that, kind of think that's what he is a tree in Tennessee Brindle well and after I after I did some kind of uh, not research but just some checking a few years after I met with the guy I found out what the dog was he was half yellow mountain cur and half plot hound and 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 as I, I think back about it that's probably what a lot of the train Tennessee Brindle dogs were was a little of this and a little of that. Oh yeah. But they, kind of, they were trying to get, um, get a breed standard and, uh, you know, some kind of background. Mm-hmm. And, and so this, uh, guy that had the dog and I, uh, we got to be good friends and I hunted that guy's dog for him, uh, quite often. He was an older guy and, um, uh, I enjoyed hunting that dog um, for him. And uh, after I, I got the magazine or got the yearbook, uh, I got hooked up with uh, L.C. Burdett. And he lived about an hour away from me, hour and a half away. And got hooked up with him and went down and got a pup from him. And that, that was the first one I had. Okay. Got it started pretty good. And, and, uh, uh, I think when the dog was two and a half, uh, he, he got a, uh, a, uh, had a physical problem and I had to have him put down. So I was out of the, uh, yeah, was out of the, the Brindle dog business, uh, for a short time. Um, uh, a friend, another friend who was kind of, a a, a dog trader mm-hmm. uh, uh, got with me at, at the Coon Hunters Club meeting and, and said, "Hey, I got got a brindle dog here uh, out of my place. Why don't you check on him? See if he's something that you want." Well, I went and got it, and it was a, a an original Mountain Cur. Okay, uh, she was she was a brindle dog, mm-hmm. and I hunted her and and really really liked. Her. So I, I, I told her, I got a hold of, of, uh, the guy named, um, uh, ML, uh, Baird Rizel, who was a breed, uh, inspector at the time. And I told him, I said, I got this dog. She meets the Brendel standard, but she's in Reginald Mountain Cur. Can I single register in the Brendel Association? And that was, 
that was how they were taking some dogs in at that time. Mm-hmm. So I, I single registered a, a Brendel, uh, mountain cur as a trained Tennessee Brendel. Okay. And as you know, I had, I had done some homework prior to that and on the history of the dogs, there were a lot of the dogs that, that had been registered as trained Tennessee Brendels were either Brendel mountain curs or half, half mountain cur, half something else. So, you know, I was, I was well within the, Mm -hmm. the uh, rules and the limits of what I was doing. And, uh, so that, that, uh, I went from, from not having one to having a real good female that I really liked. Nice. You know, you uh, kind of just touched. Person. Go ahead. You just kind of touched on the history a little bit. Do you, do you know much about the history of the breed and how it actually got started? Well, yeah, in, in a way I do. Uh, I figured. Uh, if, if, um, if everything you hear is is halfway true, uh, uh, I can tell you that part. Uh, uh, Reverend Reverend Phillips, uh, who was kind of the founder of, of that breed, uh, had been in the, the Mountain Cur uh, original Mountain Cur uh, group for a while, mm-hmm. and he wanted uh, he wanted just to, to brindle hoes. Mr. Stevens, Hugh Stevens, kind of one of the black ones, and yep. and uh, uh, for whatever reason, uh, Reverend Phillips uh, he stayed with the Brindle Brindle dogs, um, and uh, he just kind of uh, he wrote was writing a uh, article in Full Cry and encouraged people who. Who had these or had the knowledge of of these dogs to um, uh, to contact him by way of full cry, and uh, uh, he kind of started started the group that way. Okay, uh, and and he had a lot of different people contacting. So yeah, it said that you know his. Uh, they had the dogs, or they remembered Grandpa had had a little brindle dog that was a real good dog, mm-hmm. um, and and so Reverend Phillips, by by way of full cry, kind of expanded it out, uh, and started his Buck Creek strain okay. of dogs. Roughly, when was that? Um, that was probably the. the uh, early sixties. Okay. He, uh, uh, Reverend Phillips, uh, w- what I had read had, he was a uh, big in train walkers and wanted something maybe a little different. I think, uh, he was getting up and up and say up in the age. And, and, uh, uh, I don't think he, he didn't do a whole lot of hunting, but he had a lot of, uh, he had two sons and grandkids and he was a, pastor so he had uh, uh, had a, a congregation and if anybody showed any, any interest in hunting he would fix them up with the dog yeah uh, uh, he had uh, uh, he got a lot of people started with with that with the, the brindle dogs mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people through in his congregation were hunting his dogs for him um, because at his 
at his age, uh, he, he started probably with those dogs in, in his middle seventies. Well, okay. um, that's, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he has to be pretty ambitious to be, be going out on an adventure like that. Yeah. Well, that's uh, still pretty I impressive that, uh, in his middle seventies, he started something that is still going on today, which is, yeah, that, you know, that, that's still, still, still going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, during, during that, that time, when, about the time I got in, uh, there were the middle seventies, there was a, some kind of riff in the association and some of the people from the, uh, uh, that were hooked up with, with, uh, the Burdett family and the Arbor Acres dogs kind of got their feelings hurt one way or another. And, uh, I don't know too much about that because that was about the time I got in mm-hmm. and about the only thing that was really left was the Buck Creek line of okay. dogs. And, uh, uh, I went to the, uh, went to the meeting, uh, over at Florida, Illinois in, in 76 or 77, probably 77. And I had the only Arbaker dog there. And, uh, I was kind of like the, I was kind of the, black sheep of the family because uh, most of the R. Baker people were done with the, with the, the association for whatever reason. Yeah. I didn't really find out too much about it other than I knew they weren't real happy about, uh, something that had gone on prior to me getting in. Yep. I didn't know anything about it. So I just went on over to have to be, to be in on it, mm-hmm. on the, uh, the events and the, and the activities there. Yeah. And, and at that point kind of got involved in the whole association. Okay. And you've been pretty involved in the association through the years, haven't you? Yeah, I, I have. Uh, um, once, once I, once I got my foot in the, well, maybe not my foot in the door, but maybe my neck in the noose <laughs> on some, some of the stuff, uh, I've, I've been involved in it as, as, uh, uh, secretary and treasurer for a long time yeah and but i've also been the president and vice president uh but i've been secretary and treasurer for the price for the for a long time and you've been, uh, been the author of the full cry articles for a long time well i've done that and, and as well as the uh, as the brindle yearbook okay and uh uh I've, i'm trying to uh kind of get away from some of that and get more people involved in, mm-hmm. in doing that, uh, yeah. by writing the, writing the article in the, in the new full cry and, uh, get some, some body else involved in the, uh, uh, helping with the yearbook. Uh, but the, the yearbook and the full cry article are, um, are two real important things. I feel like for, for people to be, uh, 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 we got to keep keep a, a good article in the, in the magazine mm-hmm. and keep a yearbook out so people can stay up on on uh, uh, a little bit of, about our dogs. Yeah, um, honestly, there's yeah. not a, a lot of information out there about them other than uh, the the article. And I mean, obviously, you guys are still putting a yearbook out, but you got to be a member to get that. So, you know, the way for people yeah. to discover them, I, I would say probably still is full cry. Oh yeah, I, and and I was glad to see that Full Cry kind of got revived, mm-hmm. and uh, because so many people 
I'm I'm from the the uh, older generation. Not everybody likes to sit down and read read it on the uh, everything on Facebook. Uh, some some people yeah. uh, like to to pick up the magazine and open it up and kick back in the in the easy chair in the evening and read the read full cry. And that's that's kind of where I was and and or where I am. And I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm a big uh, uh, supporter of Full Cry and, and getting a, a, yeah. an article coming out every month mm-hmm. because not everybody, not everybody uh, is interested in treating Tennessee Brindles, but there's sometimes there's a little bit of something in, in there that interests uh, people about about the dogs or or the people that hunt them. Yeah, no, I agree, and I'm I'm right there with you as far as you know. Um, I'm fairly young. I'm 33, and uh, but I still love to sit down with a magazine. and And my listeners know this because I've I've had Danny and Jason, the new owners, on. I've had Mark Booth, the owner of Southern Hound Hunting, on. So, like, I love a print magazine, and uh, so yeah, and, and I, I I can't do anything but wish wish uh, uh, the new full cry people uh the, all the best and and that was just like a, a rebirth you know mm-hmm. seeing that magazine come out because you know uh it, it had been uh, a staple uh to so many people for so long and have that taken yeah or you know not there it, it just really let the the air out of a lot of people's sails it yep. seemed like because people who who've been subscribing to it for a long time uh, had seen it get a little smaller and a little smaller and then, then have it, you know, just go away. That just wasn't quite right. Mm-hmm. right. You know, it's just, uh, part of the, part of what, uh, uh, coon hunters and squirrel hunters need is a magazine like that. Yep. No, and I think they, they knocked it out of the park and I've told them that, uh, I've said that on this podcast and, you know, I really enjoyed that first one and, uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they did a good job with it, and and I just hope they get all the support that they they need plus a little extra. Well, I was actually on the phone today with the owner, and uh, it sounds like they're doing pretty good. Good, so, good. Yep. You know, subscriptions are up. They've got a lot of you know contributions as far as articles and stuff. Uh, so I mean, as as long as that continues. So yeah, you know, obviously when something's new it's easy to, you know, a little breathe a little life into it, but hopefully they can sustain that and, uh, people will continue to still support it. So, cause that's what it boils down I, to is I, people need to support yeah, it. I, I just, I just hope that, that, uh, the readers, uh, don't get discouraged about it only coming out every other month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there again, I can see their point. Uh, until things really get going, maybe they won't want to go monthly. Yeah. But uh, uh, the way Full Cry was, or toward the the old Full Cry was, it was kind of uh, getting getting thin. So yeah. maybe with uh, new lives, they'll they'll have uh, have the intention of maybe going a little bit larger. Yeah. Or and, more more issues. And and part of that decision is uh, just time. Um, they, oh yeah, they just, yeah. They just had a brand new baby, so yeah. they didn't want to oh, bite yeah. off too much more than the, <laughs> yeah. And they could yeah, chew they off were, the bat. So yeah, that was. Uh, but I, you know, like I said, that's uh, it was a big, big undertaking. 
Yeah. Uh, but but when you re- read about what they wanted to do, uh, we got the right people in their uh, in the driver's seat, I believe. Mm-hmm. I I agree. Conkey's Outdoors is proud to be a sponsor of Tree Talking Time. Family, hunting, tradition is the Conkey's motto. They understand the importance of passing down the tradition of hound hunting. They are a family-owned business that treats you like family. They also understand the importance of having the gear you need when you need it. Conkey's carries everything for your next hunt, and it ships to your door quick. They also offer great warranties on all tracking systems and financing options. Check them out at Conkeys.com. You can also use the code Time 5 in all caps to save as well. So, I kind of cut you off when you were tell- talking about your dogs, and uh, so you had that female that you single registered. Yeah. Where did, uh, and that, then you also got that other dog you said from the one line. But what else did you? Well, I, yeah, I had had the the Barb Acres line, and yes. uh, I wanted to, when I, after I lost my male, and and I was always wanting another Arb Acres male, and I could never never get one, um, just because of. Uh, the Burdettes were living in Indiana. They moved to Kentucky, and they they were hard to contact to get anything. And and so mm-hmm. uh, I had had my little mountain cur female, and then uh, uh, someone contacted uh, myself or, or somebody that I was hunting with, when told about uh, a, per, a member over in Illinois who had lost his life and his wife was wanting to get rid of his dogs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this other guy and I went over and, and, uh, and, and, uh, purchased, uh, I got, uh, a, a brindle female and I'm not sure, I don't remember what dog he got from, uh, from this person's estate. And, uh, I got got a nice little female. I I wasn't real thrilled about her being the bloodline that she was, and I guess I was being too picky. But uh, <laughs> between the two, the Mountain Curve female and this little Buck Creek female, I had a pair of female dogs that were oh, just a lot of fun to hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they were both squirrel dogs, and they were both good coon dogs, and they were fun to hunt together. Nice. Or one one at one by you know one by themselves or the other by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, at that time, I uh, had, was uh, able to get both of those dogs bred, and was able to supply some pups to, to a lot of different people at different times. And mm-hmm. I I really I think I probably. Uh, raised raised some good pups or got got good pups in good people's hands that uh, uh, enjoyed enjoy that kind of the kind of dogs that the Prindle dogs were. Mm-hmm. Uh, they for the most part they they were fairly close hunting dogs. They hunted with you. Um, they handled very good. Um, just real play, more pleasure dog than ever a competition type dog, mm-hmm. but they were. Uh, critter getters for sure. I mean, yeah. you, you know, if you stuck in the daytime uh, and you were squirrel hunting, they did their best to please you that way or take them at night and they were going to get treat on, on a coon somewhere. And, and they didn't have to go deep to do it. Uh, and that was the thing that, that I liked. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they hunted hunted the, the patch woods that, uh, where I'm at, and everything's set up, and uh, the grounds, the roads are about a mile apart, mile squares, and each each mile about had a uh, a patch woods or two in it, and uh, with a fence row going in, mm-hmm. and you could hunt down the fence row and and into the patch, and and you knew where your dogs were all the time. Yeah. It was before you ever had to worry about it putting a tracking system on them mm-hmm. just because of the way they hunted and, and handled now were those dogs open on track or are they silent on track uh they on on coon they'd open open enough so you knew what they were doing okay uh on squirrels uh when they treed they when they barked they were treed and, mm-hmm. and they they didn't very seldom would they ever open on a on a squirrel track yeah, uh, I'm not saying they wouldn't, but for, it was very seldom. Maybe when the squirrels were rutting, if they were running around a lot, maybe they would just. But basically, they were uh, open on on coon and and still on a on a squirrel. Now, would you say the dogs today are pretty similar to that? Then uh, the ones I've got now are, are very similar to that. Yeah, that that, that part has. I don't think it's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, when when we were at the uh, Brindle hunt uh, last weekend at uh, uh, Clay City, Illinois, uh, on the squirrel cast I was on, uh, I, when a dog opened, he was going to he was treed. Yeah, uh, you could see him working a track uh, a little bit, but you, but you never heard him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were, you know. When they bark, they retreat. Awesome. Why don't you talk about the the hunt you just had? How was your turnout this year? Uh, turnout was very small. Uh, that was that was uh, kind of an unfortunate deal. Uh, uh, maybe poor timing on on uh, the Brendel Association part because the National Current Vice Breeders Association. Uh, had their world hunt the same weekend, okay. and locations were I'm going to say seventy miles apart. Yeah, so that that really that really hurt uh, hurt us by having a world hunt that close. Yeah. So uh, during our our meeting on Saturday, we we decided that uh, we'd have to make a, some uh, adjustment in our our scheduling. Uh, and how how that ha- uh, happened, you know, I, I guess I, I I don't know. Uh, I'm a member of both groups, and uh, um, why why we didn't uh, why the Brenlow people didn't change ours, uh, make ours a week earlier or a week later. I, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but it it hurt our turnout. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Uh, the the thing. Uh, yeah, our turnout was small, but the uh, enthusiasm of the hunters was was good. We had, you know, we had some good hunts, but good. there just weren't a lot of hunters or a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, like you said, being that close to the world hunt. So yeah, yeah, and, and I I don't know, uh, and I haven't talked to to anybody over at. Uh, uh, the Eleanor Outdoor Club that hosted that to, to see what kind of turnout they had, uh, but I, I don't think uh, uh, 
I don't know that there were any train Tennessee Brendels there, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm sure there probably were some people at, at their event that ordinarily might have showed up at, at ours. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's more, you know, if, if you're into the competition part of it, uh, you're a lot better off placing at the World Hunt than you are at the Brendel Hunt. Yeah. And I understand that, you know. Uh, so it, you know, it is what it is. And, and, and I know, uh, we're going to work on, on, uh, changing our, probably changing our date and, and working with the current vice people, mm-hmm. uh, so that, that, that doesn't happen again. Yeah. I understand. Now, um, so speaking of those hunts, those are both NKC sanctioned hunts. So NKC I'm guessing is the only registry that read. Is that the only registry that registers the train Tennessee Brindles? No, uh, they were, uh, they're now registered with the United Kennel Club. Uh, but I'm not certain, uh, I'm not certain if they are registered, uh, as train Tennessee Brindles or if they are re- registered just under, uh, train cur, gotcha. uh, a blanket type thing. Yeah. Um, uh, when, when I first going way back, um, uh, the ACHA, which was American Coon Hunters Association, mm-hmm. uh, they, uh, the Brindle Association had their own registry and they ended up selling their registry to the American Coon Hunters Association. Okay. Uh, so, so the, Brindle dogs at one time were ACHA registered. Mm-hmm. Uh, then later on, and I, I'm not certain how long ago it's been, the American Kennel Club, the big, the big yep. American Kennel Club, yep. also registered the train Tennessee Brindles. Okay. Um, and I don't know too much about that because um, I kind of got involved with the National Kennel Club. Um, there. Uh, they've always been been good to the, the train Tennessee Brindles, and I, that's kind of where my loyalty lies with with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, 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 they registered or they recognized the train Tennessee Brindles as their own breed. Yeah, uh, some of the other registries uh, just kind of put it in a blanket. Uh, uh, category like train curves and, yeah. and you're you're the same as a, a stevens dog or a, a train cur or a yep. leopard uh just in a, a non-hound category mm-hmm. yeah i have a faulkner cur and that's i know with uh ukc okay, if, I, yeah. if i want to register with ukc she'd be registered as a train cur okay yeah right yes yeah i'm a little bit familiar with the faulkner uh, okay. dogs yeah yeah. yeah, mine. Uh, she just tur- or she turned a year old in the summer, and uh, she's she's coming along. I mean, for as much as yeah. as much as she's been hunted, <laughs> I can't fault her yeah. uh, mm-hmm. for not being further when she hasn't had as much time as she should have in the woods. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I think uh, uh, I, I've met Gary Faulkner a time or two, and he's. Uh, he was very sincere about that, his dogs and and what he was doing with them and what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard uh, recently that he's not doing well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I contacted him to try to have him on the, on the podcast. Um, 
probably about a year and a half ago, and he, he told me to contact the guy that he kind of turned everything over to, and that's a guy named Steve Block. So Steve was on the oh. podcast. And, okay. Uh, that's where actually I got my pup from, but uh, yeah, I was talking to Steve recently. He said Gary, yeah, Gary's health wasn't but, wasn't very well, wasn't doing work. Yeah, great. well, G- Gary grew up uh, about thirty miles south of of me, and uh, on his uh, he'd been down to where where he grew up, and contacted me on his way back to Wisconsin, and I had had a nice visit with him, and and. Uh, Enjoy, enjoyed my time visiting with him, mm-hmm. and I thought it was pretty nice that he even, you know, he stopped by and we talked dogs for a good while. Yeah. Now I talked to him for uh, maybe fifteen twenty minutes. On you know, very informative, uh, mm-hmm. great conversation. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah. he, he just well, wasn't. He was like, I'm, I'm kind of done with the dogs, and <laughs> so. Yeah. But his his son said he liked the podcast, so I was I was happy about that. As I'm editing this podcast, I just kind of wanted to stop and have it, make a note of that uh, Gary did pass away on November 1st, 2023. I just want to thank him for giving me the, the ability to talk about his dogs and, and giving me the contact with Steve and, and uh, all he did for the Faulkner breed and for the Kurt community in general. Well, that's good. And, and, and you know that's... Uh... I, I understand his part about being done with the dogs because I'm not there yet. But you you reach a point in a time in your life when you know it's uh, you you got to slow down on a little bit of what you're doing. Yeah. And 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 I'm not I'm not there yet, but I know it's I know it's coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, instead of me having having four brindle dogs out back, uh, I'm down to two. Okay. Uh, just because as uh, pappy time uh, creeps up, uh, I need to downsize so that I can do the dogs that I have justice rather than have too many and not be able to do them all the justice. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, you know, and what I, what I have, I hunt. I, I, don't, I don't have them, mm-hmm. uh, a pin full of four, two or three back that I, just raise pups out of I, I've never done that and, mm-hmm. I, and I understand some people can uh, but it, that that isn't how I how I went about it oh yeah no I think you get better dogs that way I mean I've had quite a few but people you, on here that and we've delved into breeding in, in depth and and you, you if you listen to the people that have consistently had good dogs they don't keep brood females yeah I think, you know, that was, and I'm not picking on Reverend Phillips, but I think, you know, he had, he had a pen full of dogs, but it, uh, uh, good dogs and, and breeding brood females. Mm-hmm. And I think he had people that were hunting all those, but he, at that time he had a, that's when these dogs were first catching on and he had a, a probably a pretty good market for these dogs. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying he mass produced him because I don't know, but I think yeah, I don't think the pup stayed around very long. Yeah, uh, he probably always had uh, had somebody wanting wanting a pup. No, I've I've talked to a handful of guys that are you know a little older than me, and uh, you know back in the 70s and 80s when when coon prices were high, it was mm-hmm. easy to sell puppies because everybody yeah. everybody coon hunted. 
and yes. everybody wanted a dog, you know, so yeah. it was easy. Um, yeah. Yeah. You figure okay. hunter numbers were up by comparison. Oh, to today. yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I, driving around the country, I put around here five, five, ten years ago, this time of year, about every other truck had a dog box in it. Yeah. And now, if you see a dog box in there, it's it, it, it's uh, an oddity. Yeah. Uh, unless maybe they're they're bird hunters or beagle mm-hmm. beagle people. Uh, the the only uh, coon hunters around now uh, that I'm really really aware of are, are the uh, money hunters at the club at our local club. Yep. Uh, but that. But that's you know they can they can do their thing and I can I can take my my brindle dogs and instead of coon hunting I can go squirrel hunting yep. and I can carry out I can carry out you know five squirrels easier than they carry out five <laughs> coons. that's for sure that and I don't think that anymore they wouldn't carry out five coons. no a friend of mine was saying somebody uh was asking him who's buying coon hides and around us and it's like nobody's bought coon hides in you know five six years yeah no nobody is yeah uh, i did I did have two people uh ask me if i would uh if i would get a kill a coon if i would get it to them they wanted to show their kid their mm-hmm. son how to skin it and tan it yeah, and uh, I said, "Yeah, I sure will." And uh, I, I did that last year. Mm-hmm. Now, what how that project went? And <laughs> I, I, I do think, and I'm I'm not certain. I do think that there's a uh, part of 4-H that has something to do with with uh, taxidermy. Okay. I'm not sure, but but that, that might have been where that that project went. Gotcha. Well, it wasn't a project that I undertook with my son. Uh, I did skin couple years ago i did skin out all my hides and then at the end of the year i kind of went through and i picked out the best couple and uh i took them to a local woman that makes fur garments and uh mm-hmm. we had some hats made so yeah oh that's uh, that would have been really neat for the kids yes so like I said, it wasn't a project we did but he got a he got a coonskin cap for for christmas but, yeah uh, well that's that's great yeah yeah probably the only kid that's ever in his uh that in our local school system that's ever seen a real coonskin cap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that'd be, uh, <laughs> any more that might be, uh, if you wear that to school, you might, uh, uh might not be, uh, real well accepted. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, you know, a, a kid could have any kind of haircut, any color of hair, but, uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, and get by with it, but uh, the coon skin cap may not uh, uh, go mean. real well. Yeah, well, we definitely need some more stories about these brindle dogs. Um, okay, I'm I'm trying to th- think. I did I did uh, have one story that about uh, I'd been been down to a, a friend's house and hunted at night. Uh, and uh, he lived about 30 miles away. 
on the way back, I stopped at a gas station, uh, get a can of pop, and a truck pulled in and had a dog box in there. And I started talking to the guy, and I remembered him. Uh, he had been at, at our local club back in the spring, uh, and he was a, a hound man. And he and I were, were just shooting the breeze. And, and uh, I, he won me. He said, you want to drop out on the way home? I said, well, if you got a place between here and, and my place, yeah, I don't want to but I don't want to have to backtrack. He <laughs> yeah. said, no. I said, he said, I got a place five miles out of town. And well, just, I said, just one dump. And he said, okay. He said, I want to see a brindle dog go or see your cur dog go. Yeah. So we, we dumped out and, and his dog was gone like a shot down the creek and got in there and got treed. Well, my dog treed wasn't very far ahead. And he said, what's she doing? I said, well, I think she's treed. And so we walked more headed to his dog. We looked and, and Sue, uh, had a coon. He said, Oh, an old rat or whatever his name was run by that one. So I <laughs> snapped her up and went on. And I turned loose. I figured she'd go on down. His dog got treated and going down there. And she treated again. Had two coon that his dog had run under. And, <laughs> and he kind of laughed. And he says, you know, that shouldn't happen, but it did. And he said, you know, so-and-so. And I said, yeah, I was at a third club. He says, don't ever tell him what just happened. <laughs> uh, because uh, he, I think he had bought the dog from that guy uh, that uh, uh, he had got the dog from that guy and yeah. got his and, and Sue run, run past, or run, run up there and got two trade behind him. But, uh, you know, that's, that was, like I said, you know, you can hunt them down a ditch or something like that. And for the most part, they're going to go right down through there yep. and, and, and tree, uh, as they come to them, they don't have to go, you know, have to kick their nose in gear after the first 400 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that, that, uh, I really miss is my part of Indiana that we've lost a lot of fence rows. Yeah, uh, where it was so easy uh, when we were summer hunting, you could take you know two pups and go down a ditch uh, or a fence row, and we had uh, mulberries, and you know it was easy to get a pup going mm-hmm. with with a you know uh, either with the water. Uh, when they be down there playing in the water, or eat mulberries or wild cherries. Yeah. But uh, the uh, uh, they cut all the ditches uh, back a lot, mm-hmm. and a lot of the fence rows are not not there anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, just point A to point B, rather than uh, a wooded fence line. Yep. Uh, which which is really you know it's hurt not only the coon hunting but you know. Uh, quail and pheasants as well. Oh yeah, that don't have the that the uh, fence lines and uh, and the wooded ditch banks to to um, to you know for for their habitat. 
Yep. And that's unfortunate, but you know, that's, that's today's agriculture and I'm involved in that too. So I understand both sides. Nope. I get it. it. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, if that's all you got, I'm really, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I, you don't know how much I appreciate just being, uh, being asked. I, I really do. Well, like uh, I said, well, hopefully we can inform some people about some train Tennessee brindles and, you know, if, uh, if they, uh, need more information, uh, they can contact you, I assume. Yeah. Or, uh, can I give them my address as well? How, whatever or you want to give them. me not. Whatever Pardon? you want to, whatever you're comfortable giving them. Okay. If they're interested in training Tennessee Brindles, uh, get with me. My mailing address, 3286 East County Road 900 South in Walton, Indiana, 46994. Uh, if you uh, uh, would like to become a member, uh, I don't have any current yearbooks, but I have one, some from uh, 2022. I will send you for, uh, if you pay your membership for uh, 2024. We'd be glad to have you as a member and get you enlightened a little bit about these great little versatile tree dogs. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for, for having me on. It's uh, my privilege. I appreciate it. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>